Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History. I am always am Eric. And I'm Russ. Today we have a great episode for you. And uh, the main story today is Frank Balistrieri, the Milwaukee f- crime family. And uh, we just wanted to, uh, again, thank all the listeners. Uh, keep subscribing, commenting. Uh, if you really love the podcast, please uh, head to our Tee Public shop. Uh, sport some of the uh, the great logos designed by uh, our friend Steph. Uh, she did an amazing job. These things look absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I love every single one of the ones that she has created for us, even though we use, you know, the one is the primary. Uh, we have a ton of them out there, and they're all sported on the uh, T Public site. So uh, we also have uh, the um, Wisconsin Music, as always. Uh, that's from uh, a band, Hindsight, from... Oshkosh. We have a beer review. We have uh, special interviews and we have installments of how many local you at and this day in Wisco history. So I'm going to do a quick Marlo uh, Marlon Brando impression that I always do. It's a hey, Eric, let's give them an episode they can't refuse. And then that's when I find a horse head in my uh, in my bed. Exactly. And uh, not that I cut a head off a horse, but uh, hey. Cut a, you know? cut a few horses. So today's main episode is about the Milwaukee crime family or the Balistrieri crime family. And the main character behind the operation was obviously Frank Balistrieri. I'm sure many of you have never heard of him and or the Milwaukee crime family. But uh, like their other crime families of the time period, they live up to their reputation. Crimes including the usual skimming, gambling, narcotics, racketeering, murder, extortion, bribery, bookmarking, and loan sharking. Just keep rambling. <laughs> yeah, the huge. Yeah. The standard MO of the mafia, if you will. They were founded in 1918 by Vito Guardalabin uh, and ran the streets of Milwaukee in small amounts of areas like Hurley that we had in our first episode and Madison, Wisconsin. The main and central figure we are featuring in this episode is Frank, or known by many on the streets, including Mr. Big, Frankie Ball, Mr. Slick, which uh, not going to happen for this guy, I'm no Mr. Slick, (laughs) and the Mad Bomber. Frank was born on May 27th of 1918. His family immigrated from Italy in 1904 alongside the infamous Bompensiero family. Eh, Bompensiero. Oh, yeah would go on to control the San Diego crew of the Los Angeles crime family. Balestrieri was college-educated and attended law school. As a young man, he began working for the Milwaukee crime family as soon as he developed a re- and soon he re- developed a reputation for arrogance, cruelty, and ruthlessness. 
The nickname Mad Bomber came from him using IEDs or improvised explosive device attached to cars and would blow up the competition. Pretty, pretty nuts. That's a pretty uh, uh, realistic version of that. And Eric, I know you told me about this and I actually didn't realize how frequent the Balestrieri name appears. I know you had an apartment really close to them. Like they had a restaurant, Italian American restaurant. There's two, yeah. There's two restaurants really close to uh, our old apartment that uh, uh, that don the name Balestrieri, and and uh, both great establishments. I love their pizza, and then uh, the other one is uh, known for their just Italian cuisine. But uh, absolutely fantastic places. Uh, didn't know anything about their history until you started doing all this research. Yeah, so what gave him an edge on all his successors to the Milwaukee crime family was him marrying a woman named Antonia Aliato, who was the daughter of the, the then-boss John Aliato. He was slowly grooming him to be a successor. Frank had two sons with Antonia, Anton, Antonina named Joseph and John, who became lawyers to help out with the family business. He also had three daughters, Bendetta, Catherine, and, and Tammy. On December 27th of 1961, at a crime family event, Blestrieri was installed as a new head of the family to replace Aliado and became the made man. He self-proclaimed himself to be the most powerful man in Milwaukee. And after he carried out, carried out a hit on acquaintance and then acquaintance, August Palmisiano. Palma, Palma I'm terrible with these Italian names, dude. There's, dude, Jesus. they're tough. Uh, Parmesan, August? fuck this. <laughs> August Parmesan, August Palmisano, where Frank stated he called to me to my face and they can't find his skin. The business was conducted from a table in Snug's restaurant on the Shorecrest Hotel where he gave orders over the telephone to, to basically whack this guy. Whack him. Whack him off. His first conviction <laughs> happened in March of 1967 where he was convicted of tax evasion and was sent to the federal F me in the ass prison Half-Baked Reference, for those of you who don't know, it's a great movie. <laughs> in Sandstone, Minnesota, where he was kept incarcerated for two years until his release in 1971. On March 20th, 1974, Blestrieri met with Kansas City mobster Nicholas Civelli and Carl DeLuna in Las Vegas, Nevada. During the meeting, the mobsters arranged a meeting between Blestrieri and Alan Glick, the Cosa Nostra frontman in that city. Blustrier wanted to buy an option to purchase of some of Glick's agency called the Agent Corporation or the Argent Corporation, a holding company for four casino resorts. Glick later agreed to sell half of the corporation to the to Blustrier's sons, John and Joseph, for twenty five thousand dollars, which is insanely cheap. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, for sure. There's some there's some grease happening and that's OK. Blessier later claimed that he had an obligation arising from the assistance to Glick in obtaining a pension fund committing in the amount of $62.75 million. Blessier was referring to the Teamsters Union Pension Fund, which was controlled by the Casa Nostra, which is messed up that, you know, a lot of times these gangsters always cut off of the unions. Like they always used union heads to get this money right. laundered into their business. Well, of course, they have to. In 1977, the FBI created a sting operation in Milwaukee aimed at Blestrieri. They sent Special Agent Joseph Pistone, working undercover in New York City as Donnie Brasco. 
Like, what a what a terrible. normal fucking name, right? Yeah, Donnie Brasco. Hey, Donnie Brasco. Yeah, my name is Donnie. Donnie Brasco. To Milwaukee to help set up a vending machine company. The object was to provoke Blustrary into either re- retaliating against or working with the new business. When Stone, another FBI agent, finally met with Blustrary to create a partnership, Blustrary laughingly admitted that he had been getting ready to murder them, which is messed up. He's, he almost murdered an FBI informant. I mean, he should have. <laughs> I mean, he's investigating yeah, him. You know? The only way to get rid of him is that, you know? In 1978, the FBI named Blustrieri in the news as crime leader in Milwaukee. And soon, Blustrieri and Savella were feuding over other shares from skimming operations. Finally, the two mobsters requested arbitration the, from the outfit, the results of the arrangement, as ruled by outfit leader Joseph Joey Doves and underboss John Jackie the Lackey Cerrone. Jeez, what a... The Lackey. I just love the fact that they all have nicknames. Hey, my name's Johnny the Lackey. Demanding the outfit receive 25% tax as its cuts in the skimming operation. Blustrieri blamed Frankie Lefty Rosenthal... Lefty. Do you think he, like, tugged with the left? I think he's probably either that or, like, he throws... Weird or something. I don't know. Maybe he played pool with his left hand. I'm Frank the Lefty. What, what do you want from me, man? Frank the Lefty was the outfit representative at the Stardust Hotel. For Blustrieri's problems in Las Vegas, in 1982, Rosenthal narrowly averted death in a Las Vegas car bombing, a car bombing that was attributed to Blustrieri. So these are all the convictions that Blustrieri faced. In September 1983... Him and his two sons were indicated on charges of skimming over $2 million in unreported income from the Fremont Hotel and Casino and the Stardust, which are both well-known casinos. And he was also convicted on extortion and bookmarking charges, and this was declared innocence he, as he told the press, the first time I heard the word mafia was when I read it in the newspapers. On May 30th, 1984, Blustrieri was sentenced in Milwaukee to 13 years in prison and fined $30,000. His sons were convicted of extortion, a vending machine business. Dude, a vending machine business. Well, I mean, you know that all that is is for laundering, and that's it. I for mean, sure. There's no reason to have that. And they each received two years for that. In September 1985, Blustrieri was tried in Kansas City, Missouri, with eight of the associates for skimming an estimated $2 million of the gross income of the Argent Corporation, as mentioned before. Federal prosecutors further accused Blustrieri of skimming and unreported income and distribution in organized crime figures in Kansas City, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. In failing health, Blustrieri pleaded guilty to two of the counts of conspiracy in exchange for dropping federal charges which included attempting to conceal ownership of a casino to skim profits in the interstate travel to aid racketeering. He also attempted to shield his sons, John and Joe, from any charges, which is normal. I mean, if my sons were in trouble for me... Yeah, exactly. You're going to just take the hit for them. You're going to take it. On December 31st, 1985, Blustery pleaded guilty in Kansas City to conspiracy and racketeering and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And, uh, yeah, not, not a very good charge to have against yourself in uh, the mafia biz. Close to achieving a seat on the ruling mafia commission in New York, Blustrieri was thwarted by his prison sentence, which really stinks for him because he could have been the made man. Yeah. 
On November 5th, Could 1991. Yeah, for sure. On November 5th, 1991, Blestrier was released early from federal prison due to his poor health. In December 1992, Blestrier was admitted to the St. Mary's Hospital, which we all know and love in Milwaukee here, actually, which is nuts. He had colon cancer. And on February 7th, 1993, Flank Ble- Flank, Frank Blestrier died. <laughs> And the operation eventually was passed on to the Chicago Crime Indic- Indicate or Syndicate. And uh, yeah, he was just an interesting guy. He was from Milwaukee. You don't get to hear about Milwaukee mobsters too much. We always hear about uh, Chicago, and, and Al I Capone, think, you know, Babyface. You yep. got John Dillinger. Yep. Like, this is the standard Chicago normals. And it's nice to hear from Milwaukee. I just think that the, 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 the story of the Balistreries might be it's sort of unknown because we, we see the name around the, the city just about everywhere. Mr. B's, uh, or that's Bartolotta. Never mind, not Balistri. But Balistri has, you know, those at least two restaurants right on uh, Blue Mound. And their name is, is, uh, is kind of tossed around as this restaurant Italian family and stuff. And, and to sort of understand maybe a little bit behind the, the closed curtain, you know, that, that sort of, ended in 1993 uh, with Frank's death is kind of neat to, to just know the history and a little bit behind the scenes and, you know, kind of uh, uh, uncovering a, a darker side of uh, Wisconsin's and, and, and Milwaukee's past for sure. So uh, that has been our, uh, our segment and our edition uh, main story for today's episode. And now for today's, local music segment we have hindsight so yeah this band is located in oshkosh their name is hindsight and they just released their latest album called are we rolling and this was another band that we kind of put a feeler out we were looking for some music where you know we didn't want to get low on bands so we kind of put a feeler out there we got a really cool local bands that kind of hit us up and i really love this one they have a really good alternative vibe and it honestly reminded me of like the 90s gin blossoms kind of they had the guff song collective soul honestly i grew up and the guffs were like the band you know smile they had crash into me just really cool bands and actually ryan the bassist sent us the email and we are really happy you play this stuff it's really good i recommend you check them out and without further ado here is their song our town from hindsight
fuck it, I'm done. All right. Again, that was our friend's hindsight, and that was the song Our Town. We now have another edition of How Many Locos You At. This yeah, one, and this one sucks, man. I mean, it's it's something we've all done. We've all drinking the beer on the lawnmower. Exactly. So here it is. Yeah. So this man was convicted of his fourth drunk driving offense. He was uh, riding his lawnmower, and his argument was his Husqvarna was really more of an all-terrain vehicle or an ATV than a motor vehicle. Uh, that difference would have triggered uh, a little bit of a lighter penalty. Uh, but his argument didn't cut it at the Court of Appeals, so therefore they they ruled it to be just a standard motor vehicle. Uh, so this was in 2017. Uh, an Oneida County Sheriff uh, deputy was called uh, in a 64-year-old who had an active warrant was at a tavern in Pine Lake. So when the deputy got to the area, he saw Schroeder driving a lawnmower down a street in Rhinelander, uh, where he was, uh, or where he used to own uh, the marina and the RV business. Man, that's so. The the deputy activated his emergency lights, but Schroeder didn't stop until he drove into a condominium area, and then onto the grass and uh, even through some trees. So he Man. just kept going and kept going and kept going. He didn't stop. You know what really stinks about that is we've all driven an eight, like not an ATV, but a lawnmower with a beer. You know what I mean. And we've all been close to the road mowing the lawn where it's like we all probably could have got the ATV on that. Right. And and honestly, it's to me, it's it's it, he's using this to drive to the bar. That's the biggest issue here. I, we don't condone that. If you're in your yard and you're having a couple beers while you're mowing your lawn, I don't think there's any issue here. But as soon as you take it out onto a public road and you start uh, uh, using it as your uh, as your vehicle of transportation, I think there's an issue here. Uh, there, there's no reason for you to do that. The only reason that there is is if you're criminally thinking that this is going to be different than uh, a drunk driving offense. Yeah, I, you know, it really does suck for this guy. I always be careful when I'm on the road because when I mow the lawn, Mowing stinks here in Wisconsin. It's really humid in the summer, so I always have a beer with me. I never touch the road top because I never want to get the DUI for uh, drinking a beer and driving my tractor. But uh, what do you, what, how many locals do you think this guy's at? You know, I kind of feel bad for this guy, honestly. Yeah, so he, he denied drinking, and he blamed his condition on prior brain surgery. Uh, he... A blood draw got uh, the results of 0.119. So he's a little over the uh, 0.08 level here. So in my opinion, we're looking at a one loco or a, well, a four loco rather one yeah. can of loco yeah. or about a, um, a can and a half. So we're maybe looking like between four and six loco tops like he's feeling good he has a little energy but at the same right. time he's still a little buzzed where he probably shouldn't be on the lawnmower honestly like i feel bad for this guy like i think a six local is appropriate but i really do feel bad for this guy because i i really feel for him and though i don't condone driving your uh, lawnmower on the road i know how it goes when you're mowing the lawn you know it's it's tough but at the same time there's a difference between having one or two when you're mowing the lawn and then uh, carrying that out onto the road and continuing your 
you know, one or two or three or four or five or, you know, whatever. There's just no excuse for this behavior. Uh, you just as easily could have walked. And that's where I think the uh, one and a half can does come in. Because one can, like you're feeling good. You may be getting a little wild, but that half can will throw you into the road. It's going to do you in. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the, the uh, black mark, if you will. Yeah, not a good idea. And now on to our beer review segment. So today we actually have a really good one from uh, Black Husky in uh, Milwaukee here. It's actually called Dog Father, which is really good beer. It's a mosaic hopped pale ale, and uh, it's a really good beer. It's very bitter. Um, the cans are a one-pint can, and it's 6.8% ABV. So it's a little over the threshold of drinking all day, but it's very good. Um, and it's the cool thing is about the cans is they uh, feature a dog. And this one, in my case, is Loki is the name of the dog that they feature, which is really cool that they actually have this. And uh, we just heard from somebody who said Black Husky is the worst brewery tour. Yeah, so I think they're donned as the worst brewery tour just because the it's, it's kind of a smaller location. Um, they don't really take you into the brew facility that I know of. Uh, the last time we were there... It was to hang outside. They have a little bit of a front patio kind of thing that is uh, more like pea gravel. Um, not really necessarily a a really well uh, concreted type patio facility, but they allow dogs, which is their biggest uh, draw. So you can bring your dog. You can uh, have them sit outside with you, uh, and then also you can go inside. And you can bring the dogs with you in the building as well. So there's a uh, brewery tap room and a bunch of seating, a lot of seating at the bar. But there's also some other seating off to the uh, the backside uh, that is all uh, sort of normal height seating. Uh, so you can gather with tons of friends, uh, try out a bunch of their different beers that they have on tap. There's also uh, fresh cold water in the uh, into uh, access refrigerators for the animals that uh, do show up as well. So it's it's really a fun environment uh, if you are into uh, brews and you're uh, and you're also pet friendly. Uh, definitely bring your pets and, and check this place out. It's absolutely amazing. There's only a couple other places in the city that I can think of that allow you to bring uh, your animals as well, and that's uh, Camp Bar is uh, and they've got. I don't probably four or five locations, but um, Black Husky and then also Camp Bar, one of the only places I can think of in the city that allow you to um, enjoy a, 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 a libation and also bring your pet. Yeah, this beer is really good. And uh, for those that don't know, obviously, Black Husky was founded in 2009 here uh, in Milwaukee. You know, the beer is really good. It does have the uh, a little bit of the fruit flavor up front. I think it's giving me a little bit of a drier finish. It is, yeah. So it kind of has more of a bitter bitter taste. And you know what's funny is the uh, the IBU count is actually 42, which is reasonably low for the, the bitter units. But I'm getting a really bitter flavor. Up front, I'm getting a little fruit, maybe maybe a hint of tropics. But then you're getting the really dry back finish. I don't know about you. Yeah, very, very... Uh... Uh, it seems hop uh, on the back. I'm getting sure. a, a ton of it back there, which kind of dries it off. Uh, but the, yeah, the front forward uh, is definitely um, 
kind of fruity. It, it's weird because uh, I, I don't necessarily think of it as a as a fruity or citrusy beer, but it's it's there. Yeah, it's cool. These guys are really into dogs. You know, I, I obviously I'm a dog lover. I know Eric, you're a dog lover. Yeah. And uh, this dog specifically, Loki, they actually have it listed on the can is uh, the patriarch, right? Yeah, Loki was a patriarch of the kennel. Um, Dopey Dog was always a little out in the left field. He was very loyal. Um, you know, he had a great worth ethic, um, but not much athletic talent. He did have a strong spirit, and around his pack, he was the boss. Uh, in tribute to this dog, Loki, we bring you the Dog Father, which is a pretty good, you know, a pretty good beer and a good name for this beer. It's uh, it comes in a pint can. Um, which, you know, with this high of ABV, like you can, you can get wrecked if you have a whole six pack of these and I wouldn't yeah. recommend that. I would definitely, ta- you know, t- taper this to a, a one, you know, check it out, try it out. That's it. And then just kind of move on to uh, a bush light, if you will. Yeah. And this one is, I believe is available all year round and uh, black Husky is really cool. You got to check them out. Obviously, they voted the worst brewery tour, so that means you have to they, check it out. And they embrace that too, so don't don't feel bad no, when you walk no. in and be like, "Yeah, is this the worst brewery tour?" They embrace it, so they, yeah. I mean, the owner the owner knows about it. In fact, he's the one that started that. And honestly, you know, you got to check out their website, BlackHuskyBrewing dot com. I love the name Loki, which is really cool. It's a Norwegian reference, obviously. Yep. We all know Loki, especially if you watch Marvel movies. I was just going to say Avengers stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Loki was a trickster god, you know. And I'm Nor, you know, I'm Norwegian and I'm, I'm Finnish. Also, yeah, Norse, so I know you're Norwegian as well. as well. So, yeah, this is a great beer. Um, I recommend you check it out. Go to your local liquor store, pick this thing up, drink it. Let us know what you think. You know, comment yeah. and pick up other Black Husky uh, brewing as well. Awesome. All right, I'm here with Frank from Earth Rider Brewery up in Superior, Wisconsin. Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad. So can you give us a little bit of information about the brewery, um, who you are, maybe a little history of the brewery, any new brews or uh, events coming up? I know with COVID, things are kind of weird. So, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my name is Frank Kazuba. I'm the director of brewing operations for Earth Rider. Uh, we've been open for almost three years now. Uh, we're making beer. We started brewing in September of 2017, and uh, we've been we've been busy. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a busy summer, which has been really exciting. Um, COVID, you know, this spring was really difficult as it was for most breweries with not having any draft sales. But uh, people are so thirsty, and they're going out and buying cans of beer, which has kept us really busy. Uh, which has been awesome. Uh, so new beers that we have uh, coming out soon. Um, well, we just came out with uh, our current seasonals, our Royal Bohemian Pilsner, which is our seasonal for July and August, which is a great German-style Pilsner, uh, light German lager, plenty of, of crisp, noble hops in there. And then uh, in the fall, in September, we'll be coming out with our Fest beer, uh, which is a popular beer. Uh, to me, it's the perfect beer for, for fall, cooler weather, a little bit maltier, a little bit stronger than, uh, than a light lager. So a couple new things coming out. We're playing around more with our uh, Hazy IPA recipe, our Claw Top Hazy IPA, which we're looking to put into cans uh, sometime in the coming months. Still working on a plan for that. But uh, just playing around with some different hop combinations and and basically pouring it at the tap room, at our tap room here in, in Superior, and seeing what people think and 
kind of uh, tweak it from there, which has been, been pretty fun. Yeah, it's, it's always fun uh, experimenting. I know uh, one of the hops I, I'm really into, uh, have you ever tried the uh, Galaxy hop? Yeah, Galaxy is a great hop, if you could find it. <laughs> That's just it. It's kind of, I think it's kind of uh, like a, a brand name, so it's kind of hard to get it. It is, and, and uh, it's an Australian hop, and they don't really have much acreage for growing hops down there. It's not like the Pacific Northwest in the U.S. where they're expanding like crazy in Idaho right now, so they're able to grow a ton of citra between the Yakima Valley and uh, Idaho. Um, but if they wanted to grow more galaxy, they would have a hard time trying to figure out a way to do it. So, I know I've made some single malt hop. I also like the uh, citra, and obviously the mosaic is a go-to. Yep. But yeah, yeah absolutely. can you give us a little history about the brewery? I know we always drive past it going down to there, and it looks like an old building. It's pretty neat. Yeah, so some history about the building. Uh, we're in a really old part of Superior, uh, right by the, by the waterfront. And uh, so this building that we're in, that the brewery's in, was actually built, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the 1890s, but it was, uh, it was the late 1800s. And um, it started off as a, a bakery, and then uh, over the years it became a bakery, a bakery supply warehouse, and then eventually a beer distributor. And it was a beer distributor for decades before uh, they decided to sell off their brands, and this building became available, and our founder, Tim Nelson, took a look at it, and I came in and took a look at it and decided it would make a great brewery space, which it certainly has. That's awesome. And, yeah, I know with uh, COVID, things have been weird, but it looks like you guys are still kind of doing events with, you know, obviously the social distancing and everything, which is great. Yeah, we're really fortunate because so our, our tap room is actually called the Cedar Lounge, which is confuses some people because it's a separate building from the brewery, but just a, there's a field in between them. And uh, the Cedar Lounge actually was a, a tie house for the Northern Brewing Company, which closed in 1967 in Superior. It was the last production brewery opened in Superior. And so the Cedar Lounge is our tap room, but we actually have not reopened our tap room itself to customers uh, since COVID. What we've done instead is we have this big field in between the brewery and the tap room. And so we uh, have invested in some tables and tents and built a stage. And we've got music and events going on almost every day of the week. And as long as the weather's nice, which it has been this summer, people are able to come out and have beer in a, a really safe social distance outdoor environment. Oh, that's great. I know it's always hard to find something to do nowadays with this stuff going on. And uh, yeah, we always make, you know, we always make our trip. And I've actually had a few of your beers. Unfortunately, I've only had the uh, Superior Pale Ale, the Valhalla Ale, and the uh, Stony Point, which are all awesome. I mean, it's it's a go, it's a must go to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I always yeah, recommend it. You know, anyone going down Highway Two, you you know, you just follow that around. You guys are like right there. Yeah, it's hard to mess us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. It's a great place to go. Thanks. And uh, I was going to ask you too, um, brewery tours. I know you guys do offer them. Are you guys still doing brewery tours? We are not. We haven't reopened the brewery to the public, so we're not doing any tours yet at this time, and we're having to, you know, constantly reevaluate that in the light of what's happening with COVID-19. But uh, as, of, as of right now, we are not doing tours, unfortunately. Okay, and I did see on the website you guys do do a virtual tour, which is perfect. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool that companies are doing this now. At least you can still kind of, you know, you can't go out, but at least you can see, you know, what, what you're missing. Yeah, exactly. So you get some somewhat of a feel for the building and, and what we're about, exactly. 
Awesome, Frank. And uh, before I let you go, um, obviously, we always ask our guests, uh, how Wisconsin are you? And I know you are from Wisconsin, so I can't wait to hear your responses. Uh, well, I live in Wisconsin. I've lived in Wisconsin for about 15 years now, and I went to college in southern Wisconsin years ago. So All right. I've spent a great time in Wisconsin. Yeah, so, you, you, I mean, I'm sure you've done probably all these things, especially if you went to college here. So the first right. question I got for you, have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, it's great. I mean, a lot of people miss out because they don't get the fresh, you know, what actually squeaks on your teeth. They always get the cheap stuff from, like, a gas station. Yeah, or a grocery store. I mean, you, it seems like you really have to go to the store to get the bun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have, have you ever been tailgating at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? I have not. You have not. Yeah, I know. You know, no. up north, you don't get a chance to get down as much. I know for us, we always go to uh, some of the Minnesota games, obviously, when the Packers are playing up there, and uh, it's hard to get tickets here. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's a, it's a huge. I mean, when you got to spend 250 bucks on a ticket, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> have you ever hit a deer? I have, yes. Have, so, being from the Northwoods, have you ever seen a black bear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we see them pretty regularly. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of people say they haven't, but obviously, I don't even, you know, I go up to visit our family. We're, we're Scandinavian, so a lot of our family lives up there, and you don't see Scandinavians too much in the south of the state, so, and I've seen them multiple times, and I'm not up there that often. Yeah, they're, pre they're, pretty, uh, they're pretty common, especially in the fall and in the spring. It seems like they're out and about a lot. Yeah, when you get the fresh blueberries coming in on Bayfield, I'm sure you get a lot of them coming in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they like berry patches. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever driven a snowmobile to a bar? I never have, nope. No? It's kind of a regular no. thing up north. I know it's kind of the up north vehicle, especially at the schools. I think they even have parking lots at a lot of the high schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an up north kind of thing to do. Yeah. Uh, how do you like your old-fashioned? Um... I'm not actually a huge fan of old fashioned, but I don't, uh, I don't like them sweet. Yeah, you know, I like them a little bit both. I, I you know, obviously the supper club, you're going to get the sweeter, but I don't mind the bitter either. I like them both. Yeah, yeah, I prefer the more bitter. So this is like an up north treat. I don't even know if you've ever heard of it. Have you ever eaten a pasty? Oh yeah, yeah, we eat, we eat pasties all the time. Actually, there's uh, you can buy them in the grocery store up here, but there's some really good places I know in the UP that make them. So. Yeah, I know, like, right over the border there, over in Ironwood, they got, like, one, I think, the original place that started selling them. Yeah, that could be. I know it started off as, like, a food for, for miners, so. Have you ever been to a supper club? And if you have, which one is your favorite? I have been to supper clubs. It's been a while since I've been to one. Um, yeah, I can't think of a name off the top of my head. I don't really go to supper clubs around here. It's usually when I'm traveling other parts of the state that I've been, been to supper clubs. Yep. And uh, this one's a Wisconsin question for sure. Have you ever been late to work due to a snow emergency? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a normal occurrence around here. <laughs> yeah. Do you eat beer brats, and uh, what's a recommended beer that you would use? I have, yep. I do eat beer brats sometimes. Uh, sometimes I cook them without beer, but if I am going to cook uh, beer brats, I like to use a like a stronger flavored beer. Actually, a stout can be really good. 
as the as the beer for a beer brunch, or something uh, something that's like spicy or something that's fruity can be really interesting. I know that's kind of against the sacrilege of like you know Miller High Life or, or Light Lager or something like that, but uh, I like having some more flavor in there. Is there any Earth Rider beers you recommend? I obviously I'd hate to waste such good beer, but is there any you know if you're just using a small <laughs> amount? Yeah, well, like I said, with the stouts, so there are North Tower stouts uh, would would work great for for cooking cooking beer broths. And, yeah, I'm gonna have to give it a shot. Obviously, like I said, I always hate waiting wasting craft beer on broths, but at the same time, it's nice to get a different flavor every once in a while. Yeah, indeed. All right, do you ever drink Bloody Marys? And uh, if you do, how do you pr- prepare yours? Do you use like a mix, or do you do it by just tomato juice and putting things in there? Yeah, I'm kind of lazy, so I use a mix. But sometimes I'll I'll add some extra spice if it's not spicy enough. Either some horseradish or some hot sauce, and uh, definitely like to to load it up with lots of uh, lots of goodies: cheese curds, as you mentioned before, and um, sausage sticks and celery. Yeah, I know the the best. I mean, obviously you don't have it all the time, but when you got your fridge full of venison, is the best. Yeah, venison sausage is awesome. All right, I got one more question for you, Frank, before I let you go. Um, besides Earthrider, is there another brewery tour that you recommend checking out? Another brewery tour? Well, I'll tell you what. I actually have not been on the tour, but we were down at Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee. We were just actually having lunch and some beers at their beer hall, and I was really impressed by the enthusiasm of their tour guides that were getting ready to bring people in for the, the brewery tour. So that really intrigued me. I didn't have time, but I think uh, I think that would be a really interesting one to check out as the one I think from. Yeah, I know it's really funny. Uh, when you get to the end of the tour, you always sing the uh, Laverne and Shirley theme song. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a it's a pretty cool place to check out. I know I've been there. Obviously, we live in the southern part of the state, so it's kind of a regular uh, stop for us. But Frank, um, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you again, and uh, hopefully we can make it up there and actually uh, bring you some koozies and just talk beer with you one of these days. Yeah, that would be awesome. You're always welcome. Sounds good, Frank. Thanks for talking with us. You have a good day. Thanks, you too. All right, bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.